Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice, episode 151. Today is an absolutely, absolutely insane, crazy wedding season day. So I'm going to keep this intro short, but I did want to say one thing, which is that I have been doing a lot of writing of prose um, that is, you know, related to the conversations that are going on here. So if you've been listening um, and have been enjoying the podcast and want kind of, you know, more thoughts, go over to my website, which is emilymerrillmusic.com and check out the the writing on the blog. There's just, there's a lot. I, I do like a monthly um, recap of the artifice episodes from that month and kind of do a deep dive on, you know, some topic that has been, uh, present among the, all of the conversations for that month. Um, so yeah, you might really enjoy that. And as always, please leave a little review if you're listening to the podcast and enjoying it, it would mean so much to me and I would really appreciate it. Um, I think that's it for an intro. I want to kind of tell you a little bit more about Tito, um, who's my guest for today. So I'm going to read you Tito's bio now. Tito Levis is an actor, husband, father, and advocate for inclusion and representation on stage and screen. When he's not on set or on stage, you can find him tending to his chickens, caring for his garden, or most likely cleaning up after his two boys, both of whom are under six and full of more energy than any single human should have. Um, What a beautiful bio. What a beautiful little intro for Tito. Um, And he just is such a charming and energetic human himself. Um, So I hope you love this conversation. And without further ado, here comes Tito Levis. Enjoy. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. <laughs> the Crater Lake, Lake is area. In Arizona, right? Oregon. Or, okay. <laughs> I don't know anything. They're both states, though. <laughs> yeah, so they're both states. I really thought Crater Lake was in Arizona, no. which is, I grew up there, so I think I, <laughs> I, think I, I, think I really I, felt that was true. You're telling everybody, no, Crater Lake's in Arizona. I know, I, really, I grew up there. I really thought that. <laughs> I thought it was, like, connected to the Grand Canyon or something. No, they're not, there's no connection, but... <laughs> You can tell people Whoops. that and just see if people believe you. Just see, I mean, probably I have told people that before. <laughs> well, you know, Crater Lake National Park, it's in Arizona. It's in Arizona. I went there a lot as a, oh ki- as a child. I know I've never been there, but I have seen pictures. Right? <laughs> Isn't Crater Lake the super deep one? Yeah. yeah. It's the super deep created by a caldera and yeah. a volcano. I knew that part. <laughs> um to the list of the most boring things to talk about yes well i don't know crater lake is probably like i mean not I've, the least well, boring I've, thing to i talk wanted about. to go there since i was little because it's the bluest lake in the united states yeah and it's only filled with rainwater and snow so it's, it's just clean. blue it's and clean and beautiful are there other things living in it they stocked it with fish oh why because uh, when it first started, they wanted it to be like an attraction, so people would come and fish. So people still do. Oh. But then they filled it with crawdads, and now the crawdads are killing all of the fish. So oh. they're like, if you see crawdads, just take them out. 
Interesting. Because they took over. Why would they do that? Trying to create a system, mm. an ecological system, and it didn't work. It didn't work. See, it's just like Jurassic Park. You try <laughs> to control the animals, they'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> love finds a way. Wait, that's not Wait, right. That's different. I mean, that was a lot of love. That's why there's so many crotics. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Life finds a way. Life finds a way. Jurassic Park is Olivia's favorite movie. It is. She loves yeah. the dinosaurs. She does. Um, okay, let's get started. Okay. Do you have any questions or anything? No. Okay. I didn't um, look at any of that That's stuff because fine. I just prefer to, as you can tell, I don't really have a problem talking. Yes. Yeah, so. Same. Hardcore same. Yeah. And I, I made that prompts list because I had so many guests that were like, can you just, I need to think about it. And I was like, okay. But, oh, really? Yeah. No. Well, I, I interview a lot of like very quiet visual artists. Okay. See, that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like if you're going to interview a theater artist, you're yeah. good at. Well, I joke about this sometimes. Cause like it's, I've been doing this long enough now that like there, there are trends, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I know what chefs are like. I know what yeah, writers yeah. are like. <laughs> I know about all of those people. And then when I interview like theater actors or film actors, it's like, I feel like I'm talking to like a person who has a similar like conversational style as me. Yeah. yeah. But then when I'm talking to like someone who, you know, makes pottery, sometimes I have to tone it down. I have to be yeah. careful. I feel like a pottery person, you know, they make pottery so they don't have to talk to people. Yeah, but don't you feel like a lot of like musicians are like that too? Like it's something I think about a lot. Like when you're a child and you are a musician in particular, it's a very solitary experience. And then some at some point in your life, you realize like, oh, I have to be on stage. But maybe acting is different because it's always in front of people. Yep. It's, yeah. you're, you're always in front of people and people are like paying attention to you. Whereas if you're an instrumentalist, you're not always front and center. Yeah. Or if you're a singer, like a maybe lead. you've spent yeah. a lot of time in a choir, mm -hmm. which is also like, we're hidden in there. We're hidden in there. Yeah. It's just a sea of faces up there. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I mean, I guess it is different. Cause like when I was a child, I did a lot of plays and stuff, but I, w I was there for the singing, which is maybe like a different, yeah. You know, I always felt, I felt shy a lot as a child on stage, but then as soon as like the lights were on, I could be like a big ham, <laughs> but I felt shy like in the rehearsals. Like, I don't know. It's a different yeah. thing. No, it is a little bit different, but I was, I was shy and then was not shy as soon as I was on the stage. That yeah. was my, which is, a, which is how a lot of theater people are. Right. It but is. weren't we just talking about that? It's like, it's like there's, it's not necessarily like you'll have a type that you stay in outside of plays. Oh yeah. You're no, shy outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am shy outside. I am an, I am very much an introvert and no yeah. one ever believes that. But if yeah. I have my choice, I would rather be at home yeah. by myself because it takes so much energy. Totally. To emote, emote yeah. and be, um, and whether it's on stage or off stage at a social gathering or whatever, it's yeah. like, it takes so much energy that by the end of the night I am just drained. Totally. So I just prefer I, to just, I deeply understand that. <laughs> I, I've told I've said this, like it's kind of a, a joke on the podcast a million times, so it's no longer funny, but I feel like if I, I sing in a wedding band, yeah. that's like my main source of income, um, outside of teaching. And I always feel like if the guests at the wedding, like ask me to go to the after party, that's how I know I've done a good job. Cause they think yeah. I want that. You right? Know? Yeah. 
(laughs) They think that I want to continue. I'm like, oh, I've done a beautiful job. No, thanks. I'll be in the hotel watching Forensic Files. Yeah, you know? same. That's yeah. we live the same Probably life with Del Taco, <laughs> like on the hotel bed. <laughs> so you didn't take the wedding food. No. <laughs> Just like... I did both, Tito. <laughs> it admit... takes a lot of it energy. It does. No, it does. I've I also know. sung at several weddings, so I understand. Oh, you're a singer too. Amazing. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, let's get let's like let's start. We're started, but let's start. Okay, let's. Start. So tell me what you were like as a creative child. Like, where are you from? And then what were you what were you kind of up to as a little kid? So I am from. The small town of Caldwell, Idaho, just outside Boise, I know very where much Caldwell a farm is. town is. Yeah. Have you sung at a wedding there? I have driven through oh. it on the way to a wedding. <laughs> yeah, most people just drive right on through. Yeah. Um, but as a child, I was a middle child, so you already know there's already something there. Um, I spent a lot of time by myself as the middle child because yeah. I had an older brother who was deaf okay. and a younger sister, so my parents were split between making sure that. Sure. They were, you know, yeah. really the ones taken care of. So my creativity as a kid was more about what can I um, find and play with. Yeah. Um, and most of the time that was insects. Yeah. <laughs> and animals and what did stuff you like do? that. Did you build them like a little home? Did you have a little terrarium? Uh, um, never a terrarium, but it would be like just playing in the dirt, like finding ants and creating a path for them or um, climbing trees and seeing if I could talk to squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds so stupid, Imagination that's what I did. Oh yeah. I love it. Completely imagination play. I want to like get back to that as an adult. Like I've been thinking (laughs) a lot lately about like the precious things of like, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately about like identity and kind of these different phases of our lives and like what we were about at each time Yeah, and kind of feeling like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I missed the version of myself that could like sit in a tree for an hour. Oh, real? Oh, I never lost that. I could sit in a tree by like I, trees are like yeah. My I love trees. Yeah. Um. So I could absolutely just go back to that and just sit in a tree and think because right now, as busy as everything is, yeah. finding time to actually do that. Yeah. When you know you're a busy working person and memorizing lines totally. and having two kids and a husband it's just like yeah and a small farm like you have a little farm <laughs> i need to well, know everything no i mean yeah. i call it a little farm but it's just like we have chickens and rabbits that's a and little farm fish ponds so i love it yeah. that's amazing i didn't even know and i'm like i'm deeply romanticized by a homestead so i'll have Same. many questions i want i want more of that yeah um, but you know yeah, I totally, I hear you. Uh, and I think for me, some of it is just like, I had kind of a traumatic childhood. And so I think for me, some of it is like, try, I, I spent a lot of years as a trial, a child trying to like, not be an artsy type, you know, to really you fought to against like that deeply, very hard. Yeah. I think cause my parents didn't support it. You know, my parents were yeah. like, my parents were very like critical about those aspects of my personality and so I, yeah, I think I spent a lot of years trying to like really bury all of that kind of like wonderment. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm trying, I'm like trying to like rekindle it now. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. See, my parents never really were critical of the, of the talent itself. Mm. They were fine with it. And when I decided I wanted to go into 
music. I studied opera for the first three years of wow. my college uh, education. They were like, okay, I guess that's your choice. But in their minds, they were like, how are you going to make money? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was yeah. like, how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to do that? They didn't ever stop me. They mm -hmm. didn't ever like, they just were like, yeah. okay, that's up to you as long yeah. as you <laughs> it's something I talk about a lot with my guests of like how did you convince your parents to like let you be an artist because I mean it, se it seems like a ridiculous question but it's really real when you're 18 your parents you know depending on your situation have a lot of control for your life oh yeah they absolutely um, do and, and they try and shape you and mold mm -hmm. you whereas my parents they never did any of that yeah that's is that that's great. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's okay. great. I mean, it was I don't like it, assume. There there's that middle ground of like of the parents who will support their kids in whatever passion that they have and whatever the direction they want to yeah. go as long as they have something. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the parents who were just kind of like Whatever, it's your life. You decide. Do what you want. Totally. And then there's the ones who were like, "No, this is what you're going to do." Mine were like that. Yeah. yeah. I have those. Yeah, mine were very like unsupportive of being in the arts and not just because of money, but also because it's like, there was definitely like a, a feeling in the family that like the people who do those kinds of things are weirdos <laughs> and like not cool. And like, my parents are very like popular people. Oh. It's a big part of their lives. Yeah. Um, like just being like social climbing kind yeah. of thing. So keeping up with the Joneses, totally. like social pro. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like a little weirdo. <laughs> um, and they were not into that, you know, but like, all I wanted to do as a little weirdo was like sit in a tree, but it wasn't acceptable. So sit in yeah. a tree and sing to the animals and like hope Snow that fairies and will Beauty. like land on my shoulder. Yeah. Like for real though. Do you remember? Like, I'm sure you know the story, never ending story. Yeah. I would on drives, just look at the clouds the whole time waiting to see Falcor. Yeah. He never showed up though. You believe so hard, though. So yeah. hard. I'm like, I'm going to see him. I, you're just like sure of it. Yeah. He's like, going to be up there. Yeah. And the Velveteen Rabbit, I was like, I'm going to love this seal. It was a seal. Yeah. I'm going to love this seal so much. He's going to come to life and he's going to yeah. play with me. Absolutely. And then it never happened. Absolutely, though. <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm trying to like reawaken some of that, like whatever it is in my adulthood, like give it some real space, um, which feels like an interesting and exciting endeavor. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So you started out with um, imaginative play, just like f creating your own wonder, like on the, like mostly outside, Yep. like in the land. Um, in the land. Yeah. <laughs> and then how did you like start developing some of like your mediums? So I didn't actually develop any of my mediums um, until like high school. Okay. I mean, in the sixth grade, you have to take music. Yeah. And so I remember vividly um being in the choir and the the choir teacher mrs foreman <laughs> who later became my voice teacher cool. um saying you can sing yeah and i was like i can you didn't know because nobody wow nobody ever like yeah and that was high school no, that was the, that, so okay, that, was that was sixth, sixth grade. grade. Okay. That was sixth grade. And so I started, I, I did choir and then I just continued okay. with choir because again, I could disappear because I was very shy. Yeah. I didn't want people like talking to me or right. noticing me. So in the choir, you can disappear. But in high school, my sophomore year, the choir teacher was like, I need you to be in the musical. And I was mm -hmm. like, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, he was like, please, we don't have guys, as is often the yeah. case. And they're like, and he's like, and you can sing. And so I just, I need you to be in the musical or audition for the musical. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but I don't want, I don't want lines. I don't want to be in front of, I just, wow. I want to be like a, like in the so background. Interesting. Yeah. And so they put me one of the leads and I was like, I guess I'll see if this is like, because yeah. I was such a, I don't want to disappoint people. Right. I was a people pleaser. Yeah. And so once they put me out there, I was like, Oh, I'm alive. Oh, now. wait a minute. Yeah. I'm allowed to take space up here. I deeply I'm allowed relate to, this. to like yeah. show my personality yeah. and, and, and create something. And, and after that first, and it was Greece after Greece, I was in Greece too. I love Greece too, actually. <laughs> I played Sandy in Greece my senior year of high school. And see, I played Rump and I got to sing about mooning. I don't know if your if your high school kept I don't that song in there. If we did. Um if your but high school kept we, that song in there. It's we kept edgy. the song Mooning. That you know, it was a play on words where I'm yeah. actually mooning people and where I'm mooning over my yeah. love interest in the show. Yeah. But um after that. I was like, oh, wait a second. I can, yeah. I, li I like this. I was, like that I can. There was no evidence of that earlier. Like if you, if you're, if you're searching your mind and your soul, was there evidence of that earlier? The only, the only other time that I can think of, and it took me a while to realize, and it might not even be that, but I remember <laughs> as a kid lying on the ground, watching Paula Abdul's mm. um, Cold Hearted Snake mm, mm -hmm. music video. Yeah. And I'm just watching it and I'm singing along. <laughs> and my mom, <laughs> my mom walks by and she just, I didn't know she was there, but yeah. she just listened to me sing yeah. the whole thing. The whole video. The whole thing. And then she was just like, Afterwards, she was just laughing and she's like, wow, Tito. Okay. And I was like, what? How old were you? I, th I don't know when that video came out, Little. but I was like nine, yeah. 10, maybe and something like that. But what? that stuck out of my mind because I didn't know why she was saying it. Right. I was like, wait, why are you saying, wow, was I doing, what was I doing? Yeah. What was I doing? Yeah. Because I was just enthralled by this video that was probably way too sexualized for a nine or 10 year old. Sure. But, also, <laughs> but I was still just like, yeah, it's Paula Abdul and I love her. I want to sing this song. <laughs> yeah. Were you sing? I mean, were you like putting on little plays at home or any oh, of that no. kind of stuff? Okay. Were you drawing? Were you writing? Were you reading? I definitely was writing. There okay. was a time when I, um, when I wanted to also write. What were you writing? Tell me everything. Oh, just, uh, adventure. Okay, stories. Cool. Like I remember in the fifth grade, they had a writing competition in the school and you just had to like write a, write a thing. And I didn't win. Kirk Tingy won. Kirk um, Tingy. Kirk Tingy. We had Tingies in my high school too. Everyone has a Tingy. Everyone has a Tingy. They're annoying. Um, <laughs> Over but anyway, I, I got pretty far along in like the competition. I think yeah. I was like third, but um, I was like, um, okay, so I'm good at telling stories yeah, and I can figure out, you know, how people talk to each other and, and, and figure out situations or, or Were you writing whatever. dialogue? Oh yeah. I was writing dialogue. Cool. I love it. How did you give yourself like as a child, like permission to do these kinds of projects that maybe like aren't homework? I never really thought about it as 
permission. I don't remember having homework. It was like play. Yeah. It was yeah. just play. It was like, well, no, I think I mean like internally, like, cause I think it's kind of like, it's a little bit bold to be like, I'm going to write a story. Like not all children are doing that. Yeah. And I think I'm wondering if you had any sense of that. Um, or like if you were like proud of it, if you were like, mom, dad, read this or oh, like, no. okay. What it was, was it like? Mainly, yeah. Tell me. I, I didn't, um, it wasn't that I was giving myself permission as you, as you said, it was just, sure. this is something that I wanted to do. And so like I was just going to, I was just going to do it. Cool. My parents didn't know that I ever wrote it. It was mainly just for me because I was having yeah. ideas and stories yeah. and thoughts or whatever. So I would just write them. I would just write it out yeah. and then I would read it back to myself and go, wait, did that make sense? Like, it was just this, I uh, love uh, that. like, yeah, I just did it because a lot of the times, as I said, I was ignored a lot. So I was kind of left alone yeah. to my own devices. I had to figure out how to entertain myself. I think those kinds of things are so interesting. Like I love asking people about their childhoods and I want to know like, what are the things that were happening? And then like, what did it mean to you? <laughs> Cause I think like those things are not like, I almost feel like when we think about our childhoods, it's like, well, of course that's what it was. But like, there's stuff about that. That's like very interesting. I think like, <laughs> like how did you interpret it? Like, especially just like the idea I'm fascinated by the idea of like children being like independent in these kinds of ways. Like, I don't know that it's like a given, like, I think like that could be some like important foreshadowing of like a creative <laughs> life. I don't I mean, I've, I've always been independent. Yeah. Like I, and I don't, I think it was because it was necessary. Totally. I really, I get that. I'm the oldest in my family, but, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of said it already, but my parents were both, were both, my mom is dead now. So it's kind of like tense is weird. My parents are like narcissistic people. Yeah. And, um, I'm the oldest and they were really, really hard on me. They were hard yeah. on me in a way that they weren't hard on my other siblings. Yep. Kind of like a scapegoat role in the family. Yeah. And so I was also super independent, but I was kind of just trying not to get in anybody's hair. You know, like <laughs> I was like, just don't yeah. remember that I'm here and then no one will cut like yell at me or get me in trouble. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I also was just like a very creative, like I was doing little projects. I was like, I would, I would give myself like, projects like yeah. and it would be like I'm gonna work on this like for weeks you know like whatever it may be like a you know a craft or like a story or something yeah um but it was very like I took it like very seriously were you taking <laughs> your writing seriously were you like thinking about it I'm like not, that I wouldn't say I took it I mean I guess I took it seriously because I spent time yeah and I would do various drafts that's and like <laughs> do you see what i mean though that's almost like it's it's like homework it's like as a little child you're like giving yourself like homework, homework. and you're yeah. editing it and like revising it adorable yep. i love it so much but like if you like knew that a child in your home was doing that kind of thing wouldn't you be like look at what he's doing oh absolutely <laughs> like if my six-year-old was doing it. that and granted i was older i was like you know how old are you in the fifth grade, fourth like grade, 10, like nine, 10, yeah, 11, like, 10, 11, like if he were that age, I would still be like, that's amazing, buddy. But I am very much more supportive and involved sure. than right. my parents were. Right. And I feel like that's just a trickle down effect totally. from like, you know, your parents were narcissistic. Their parents were probably narcissistic. Absolutely. They were a, they were just a little bit less or a little bit more supportive than their parents were. Or, you know what yeah, I mean? Totally. 
how it affects them is yeah. how it's going to affect you and all of that I stuff. I do just think that's like amazing though. Like no adults are like telling little Tito like, Hey, you should write this. Maybe do a draft. It's just like a thing you're doing. Like yeah. it's adorable. And it's like, <laughs> I, it's very creative and it's creative in like these multifaceted ways. It's like, you're writing a story. That's creative. You're thinking of a story that's creative. Writing it down is creative. Like revising it is creative. Also just doing like do taking any of those actions without yeah being told or prompted or yeah or yeah. encouraged even oh, yeah. is like i mean that's just i don't know i just find it fascinating i love asking like adult artists like how did you get here <laughs> like i think <laughs> lots of times like it starts with i find it's one of it's either or it's like either the the parents were like very very involved and the parents are artists too and the parents are yeah. like let's do this thing like let's try let's like go to museums or it's like the the child is just like overflowing with creative energy and is like where will i put this yep um one last question about the childhood i think i think i have one last question were you reading were you taking like how what were you taking in were you like listening to music like how were you thinking about like the media that you were taking in I mean, I was a, I was a, <laughs> I was a latchkey kid. So the TV was always on. Okay. What did it you, just, what were you watching? Every single cartoon you could think of and Nickelodeon and the Disney channel and, but only when we didn't actually have the Disney channel. It was only when they would give like a, the free week yeah. or whatever. And then we just watch it for the whole oh, week. I, I um, totally remember <laughs> but that. Yeah. It was yeah. just, it, yeah. Definitely music because my mom always had music on. Yeah, she, my what, dad makes fun of her because she's like music? every well mainly just like current forty top forty top forty stuff. hits or whatever. Okay, um, but my dad will always make fun of my mom because he's like she can't remember where her keys are, but she can remember the lyrics from a song thirty years ago, all of yeah. the words. And I was like same yeah also same <laughs> like the lyrics that are floating around in my brain taking up space it's ridiculous right like ridiculous ridiculous i'm like how am i remembering all of these words yeah. i don't know where my phone was this how? will happen to me specifically with like disney things like the character songs like not the oh, yeah not the like not colors of the wind but like you know whatever the like character song is something will trigger it and i'll just be like i know all of these words and, and the see, horn me, parts it's, yeah it's all of and it. the string lines, all of yeah. colors of the wind, yes. the string lines, yeah. all of the character bits. I was literally, I have Disney saved on my Sirius XM stations and I sang every single character in little town. Yeah. Like you just, you just sing exactly. all of them yeah. in the correct, in the correct voice and voice inflection and inflection and range I and like all of it. Six eggs. Yep. Yeah. Is that That's what too you expensive. Mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of that. <laughs> Same. So when you were a child, like, did you, did you realize that you were like absorbing these things to a different degree or like how? No, did because you... I didn't have any friends. There was no okay. comparison. There okay. wasn't a, no one else is doing this. But in retrospect, you absorbed them to a different degree. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I think it's because, you know, as a lonely kid, as a kid, who was mostly by himself. That's where you drew connection. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, the, the, the songs and the fun of the characters and, and whatever it was, that was your way of interacting, I guess. Totally. with They weren't real, yeah. but you were able to be involved with it. Yeah, you can like be in the scene. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder about these things and it's kind of like a chicken or the egg question. Like, 
does it like, are you a lonely child? And so you're absorbing all these things and interpreting them differently. Or like, are you like a voice professional and like an actor and a storyteller? <laughs> and is that something that's like different? And then when you're, you know, consuming all the same media that other children are consuming, you're just like, you're, your pitch centers are like lining up, lighting up in a different way, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it's like a fascinating, I, I love thinking about it, like child development and how it, yeah. how it coincides with like different mediums. I don't know. I'm into it. It's fascinating to me. I mean, it really is, but I know a lot of people who were not a lot of people. I know some people who were, who experienced life very similar to mine and they were also latchkey kids and were yeah. like, they had the same reactions to what they were seeing on TV or whatever, but they didn't have the gall to ever totally. try to make it a profession. That's what I'm saying. It's like a permission thing. Like just giving yourself permission. Like we can call it gall or we could call it permission, <laughs> but I know, I think we're talking about the same thing. Like, well, I think it's more gumption. It's not, it's not necessarily granting yourself right. permission. is like, you know what? I'm going to allow myself to do this. Sure, Whereas sure. the gall is like, no, I'm going to fucking do this. I totally, totally, totally. Like it's yeah. proving a point it's making. And especially as somebody who was Brown in this industry, yeah, it was, it, that was so much more of a driving force for me. Is Tell that, me more about that. Like, what did it feel like? Maybe like, as you were kind of like ready to kind of like choose a major or like leave high school, like what, how were you thinking about it? In those terms, because yeah. granted I was, I was very different because I was very supported and given these roles in high school and in college that in the real world at that time, I never would have been given yeah. at all. That's because they just wouldn't have been like, no, you can't play that person. You're a brown person. That's mm. not. Whereas in college, the very first role that I was given when I switched over to my theater major was a 50-year-old Irish man. Sure, sure, sure. And it's because I showed up to the audition ready to fucking go. I was yeah. like, I'm going to show you that, yes, I can be. I may not look like yeah. it, but I'm going to bring the the realism and the life to this character yeah. that all these other kids aren't going to do. They're just not. Totally. And so it was just this watch me. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you like with the gumption. Yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking about this right now. And I think maybe for me, like permission feels the same as gumption, but maybe it's because I was in such a controlling environment. Yeah. You know, like permission feels like pretty ballsy to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were so controlled that just giving yeah. yourself permission is like totally. <laughs> yeah. Like I moved out of Arizona and went to Texas to get a degree in jazz studies. And that was gumption too. You yeah. know, that was like, yeah, guess what? I, I'm not going to go to BYU. And I was the first person in three generations in my family to not go to BYU. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but I did teach there later. So <laughs> I don't know. I still did my time. I still did four years at BYU. So oh. when you were in high school, were you like, T talking about this like realism and like, like taking acting seriously. Like, did you do that in high school? And if so, like how? The only acting I did in high school was the musicals. Okay. I was more of a music person, which is why that eventually turned into me trying to sing opera. Like I was taking voice lessons okay. and I was doing the musicals and it wasn't until college that I was like, I, I don't want to sing. I, I want to act. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to do both preferably, yeah. but in high school, the only reason that I would act is because... Was to sing. Yeah, it's because it was to sing. Because that's where they told me... That's where I first was told, that's what I can 
do. That's what you can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can um, sing. How did you experience like getting into opera in high school? Like, what was that like? So, um, my voice teacher, Mrs. Foreman, Mrs. who is still Foreman. a very dear friend of mine. That's great. Um, she became like a second mom, and I was always at her house. Amazing. Um, she just started introducing me to art songs yeah. and, and basically kind of, um, saying you have talent. This is where you need yeah. to go. She, she became the parent that was like, this is the direction you need to go because you have this, this ability yeah. a- and you seem to like it. And I did. I loved, I loved singing all of it in recital form, yeah. I guess. Um, and I got a scholarship yeah. and like, I was like, okay, how, how so this is... were you thinking about it? Were you like, were you, were you entranced by like the, you know, the, the voice? Um, were you entranced by like the, you know, the Italian, the German, the French? <laughs> I like, mean, I did love, I love language yeah. and I, I have an ear for it, thankfully. I, I never had to do yeah. IPA yeah. on any of my stuff because I my like voice teacher too. was like, you're saying everything right, so I'm not going to make yeah. you do the IPA. And I was like, good, because I don't want to do the IPA. The mimicking is like intuitive. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I hear it and I'm like, that's, yeah, yeah, it's this or whatever, whatever it is. I sing in Spanish and Portuguese occasionally because I have jazz studies degrees. Yeah. And um, I've, I don't know how to speak Spanish or Portuguese, but like, native speakers will be like, when did you live in Brazil? And then I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because like, yeah, I exactly. feel like I like can, I can match yeah. the accent. Yeah. Yeah. In the and scene. a lot of other students in the opera program would come up to me specifically for French yeah. because I just, that Those was my strong suit. I mean, I took French weren't... in high school. I took it in college. I was just drawn to the language. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't ever a I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily drawn to anything in particular. It was that somebody told me I was good at this. Do this. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I enjoyed it and I loved it, but it wasn't until I actually left. I left, um, the university for a year and a half because I needed to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. I was like, I don't think this is what I want to do. But then I missed the singing. I missed it. I really loved my voice teacher. Um, in, in college as well. And one of the, one of the, um, they had a guest artist come in and I sang an art song for her and she's like, you know exactly what you're doing with this. And I was like, thank you. Interesting. Yeah. But I was still like, I have such like an interest. I have such a similar experience with these things. Cause I also started out in opera, but it wasn't like I'm hearing opera. I want to sing opera. It was like, I was a good singer in the choir. Like I did, I did do like I started competitive choral singing when I was like a bit younger. Like (laughs) I just like, I, I was in this like Broadway summer theater camp, like a two week thing when I was like nine, 10. And then, uh, those same women that ran the theater program had like a children's choir. Yeah. So I auditioned for their choir. So I was doing, I was a little bit more, it sounds like a little bit more like actively a child singer, like a little younger than you, (laughs) but I didn't start taking voice lessons till I was like 14. Yeah. And same thing. My teacher was like, well, you need to learn art songs because that's how we do, you know, uh, solo and ensemble and like the state, you know, this is what you do. And I also was like kind of good at it, but I, it was like, I didn't know. It was like other adults were kind of like, yeah, this is what you do. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I, I, it's something I think about now, like 
where do we make that shift between like being participating in the arts in this kind of passive way where like other, you know, adults are telling you kind of what to do and then to kind of like making your own like decisions about it. Yeah. I really relate to like what you're saying. <laughs> like yeah. when I went to college, I mean, I did, I chose jazz studies, which what I feel like that was a decision. <laughs> like no one was telling me to do that. Yeah. But I also like, didn't know. <laughs> like I was also very like, mm, I don't know, confused by yeah. all of it. But I really, I relate to what you're saying with like, there's just something about the singing that is something to you. Mm -hmm. And there's something maybe about the stories. That's like something. Yeah. Is there anything else that, that was, you're thinking that's about? What's, um, yeah. what, what's funny is that um, the technique, my voice teacher would 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 say, okay, when you are singing this note, do this inside. Lift your soft palate. Make yeah. sure you're, you're pushing in with your diaphragm and all of that stuff. Yeah. And then I would be thinking about that and he'd say, okay, let's try something else. What is this song about? What are you feeling in this moment? Yeah. Whatever you are feeling in that moment show me with your voice. Yeah. And he'd say, so that's all I have to do because then I would figure it out. I yeah. would just feel it and it would just happen mm. intrinsically. I totally get and that. So, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm so, always trying to get my students to do that and it doesn't yeah, always work feel, like that, yeah. which is that, that but it's, it's different like, is that for everybody? Something? Yeah. Because if you tell somebody who is not as, I don't know, emotionally vulnerable to feel something in yeah. that, then it's just like, they're not going to be able to. They, they are how. more of the technical where they're yeah. like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Whereas so with me, it's just feel the song yeah. and then it will Your happen body will for do you. the right thing. Yes. I've been thinking about this so much lately. Like, I mean, I think it's because like, so this is, this is season seven. Like I've been doing this for a long time and interviewing different artists. And I feel like, I feel like being a person who has these like in-depth conversations with artists of all mediums is like changing me as an artist like <laughs> it's making me like go into like a new I don't know because I'm always like thinking about what I'm doing as an artist like from this kind of different outside perspective and sort of like cross-referencing it with like what my different guests will say and being like oh this is like what that person said and like yeah just kind of thinking about it differently and lately I've been thinking like the way we talk about medium is so odd because like you'll have two singers, like two opera singers even. And one is a story person and one is a technique person. And mm -hmm. what they're doing is fundamentally different, but they're like in the same medium, but maybe like, the, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've been thinking about this so much. It's almost more like, it's almost more like the thing is like, what is your brain doing? What is your oh, yeah. brain and your heart doing? And it's so much more interesting than like, what is the medium you're in? I think maybe, I don't know. It's like a thing I'm kind of thinking about lately. Cause it really is like your experience in this medium is like completely unique. Right. Oh yeah. No, I love it. It is. I mean, it's, I think it's unique for everybody because it's everybody's, it, it's everybody's own, like whatever makes them get to where they want to yeah. be. It's going to be different for everyone, whether it's technique or whether it's emotion yeah. or whether it's trying to prove or whether like whatever it is, whatever medium it is, the, totally. it's just going to be different for everybody. I don't feel like that's intuitive to people. Like, I feel like, I feel like as artists, we're like, yeah, that makes sense. But it's also easy to kind of think that like the person you're sharing a scene with is experiencing it kind of like you are. 
like, I don't know. I think it's like, well, and then like my brain has been extrapolating these questions like out the other direction too. Like, I want to know where the creative minds are that like aren't in the arts. Like I'm so interested in like creativity as like a mind exercise and a heart exercise beyond like the arts or like a specific medium. I don't know. I feel like if people are in a creative mind or a creative heart, it will express itself somehow. They'll they'll be in the theater arts or film and television Mm. or digital marketing or PR or whatever or science, right? Like it could be anything. It could literally be anything. They'll find a way to be creative in, in, in whatever way that they can. Are you like, what are your thoughts about like creativity? Like, as a trait, like, do you think about this? Like some people are creative or do you think it's kind of like everyone's creative and some people just like nurture that more? Like, do you have kind of thoughts? Or I theories think about it? that we are as humans intrinsically creative. If we aren't given, if we aren't g- given something like a screen to, to, to occupy our mind, yeah, yeah. then we will create. Yeah. Like with my six year old, he's only allowed X amount of screen time, like most parents. And when he's not on the screen, he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, buddy, you'll figure it out. I know you will. Color dig. It's like, just probably dig. You you have, cause he loves bugs too. (laughs) You have to, you have to, cause I don't, a lot of parents now will just hate being bothered. And so they'll either hand their kid the tablet or they will tell them exactly what they Mm. should do. I want to have my kid, both my kids, be able to figure it out. Yeah. Find the creativity totally. on your own. Like it, it as a six-year-old, you're thinking, <laughs> you're awful. I hate you. You don't let yeah. me do what I want. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm hoping that when he's older, he's gonna realize, okay, thank you for making me be bored yeah. and figure it out on that my own. That advocacy, that like, yeah, like that sense of like, uh, I'm gonna do something that nobody told me to do. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, and I, think I think it's that huge. If everybody did that, if everybody had just a, a hour a day where they weren't told what to do figure it out, Mm -hmm. they would find the things that they like to do that, that aren't being thrown at them. Totally. They would write, they would paint, they would draw, they would color that whatever it is, they would find it and go, Oh wait, I like doing this. Yeah. It wouldn't just be a chore because somebody told you to do it. Exactly. Yeah. I think about this. I teach children a little bit. Like I teach voice lessons and I teach, I teach more adults and like older teens. Yeah. But every once in a while I teach children and sometimes I just think like, like it's clear to me that some of the children that I teach have never just decided what they want to do except TV, you know, like, and, and the way that they, we talk about music, sometimes I'll say like, well, I want you to practice, but I don't care what you practice. Like, I just want you to spend like dedicated time like exploring in music mm-hmm. and they c- have no idea what that means. And then I'll give them some examples. Like you could try this, you could try this, like maybe do this. And they, it's like, it doesn't compute because yep. it's like not structured. No, I enough. had a, I had a very similar experience. I taught at a theater camp, a two week theater camp in park city 
for kids who were like nine to 11. Yeah. And I was teaching them some improv games. Yeah. And they didn't know how to imagine. They didn't know how to make believe. I was like, okay, pretend you're this. What do you mean? Yeah. Pretend you are (gasps) this. You are here. You're at a store. You're going to buy this. How would that go? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't. So it took, I literally, it took two weeks for them to realize at the end of the two week camp, they were like, this is fun. I'm like, yes, we should have been playing this whole time out of your screens. Yeah. 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 Pretend play, Play. make believe (laughs) you don't like there's, uh, there's so much more you could be doing if you weren't just being handed And you feel like this is like a generational thing. Oh, absolutely. I'm never like totally sure, but I don't have kids. Cause sometimes I think like maybe it's partly a generational thing and maybe it's partly like Tito and Emily were kind of odd children, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's hard to say like, which, well, which it is. Having taught many kids over many years, yeah. I've seen the, the, um, the change in, mm. In how technology has taken away the creativity from the kids because now they're just given something to look at and it, and it makes their mind just focus on that. It gives them the endorphins. It it, it takes away their ability to to create it on their own. Yeah. Yeah, Or even to really make any choices. I was talking about that with another person recently, like how important like making choices is in like practice Mm -hmm. and developing your creativity. And it's not, it's something I've been talking about with my UVU students a lot is like, the practice of like developing taste, like even just thinking like, do I like this? Why? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that seems like such a given, but like, it's difficult for my college students to just like, think about like, it's almost like, well, if it's famous, it's good, you know? And there's the, we don't go past that step of like, why do I like it? Why is it working? What do I choose? And then they're like, then they'll come to me in their lessons and they're like, I just want to find my voice. And I'm like, you don't even know how to tell what you like. <laughs> like it's really, it's, it's interesting, but that's why, like, I think I'm fascinated by these like peripheral creative skills. There's like the creative skill of like singing, writing, painting. And then there's like these other creative skills, like making choices, deciding what you like, deciding what you want to do, like doing the, the act of like you as a child writing a story than doing a draft. Like it's just your brain, but you're having to go in like a different part of your brain to like assess the thing. Yeah. And it's like, it's missing. I don't know. It's very interesting. I'm fascinated (laughs) by it. Okay. I have one last question before we like get into college. Um, when I interview people who are like young, I feel like I'm like, let's just spend as much time as we can on like these precious, like (laughs) developmental years. When I interview someone who's like 70, I'm like, okay, we gotta, gotta move on. We have a lot of decades to get through. Um, but I'm wondering, I think that, and tell me if you disagree, but acting and storytelling is such a, it's such a a work of empathy, like thinking like, what does this other person feel like? What would they feel? Were you cultivating those skills? Like as a teenager, just thinking about other people's experiences or did that come later? I don't know that I was thinking about, I mean, I, I, I think that I was as a, as a kid who was bullied a lot. Um, I had this 
I didn't want other people to ever feel the way I had felt. And yeah. when people are bullied, they go one of two directions. They never want people to feel that or they want everyone to feel that, right. typically. Yeah. Like, and for me, it was, I always want to try as best as I possibly can to think about the other person's point of view. Yeah. How are they feeling? Um, less so in high school because I feel like... You're just trying to survive. You don't have the maturity sure. to, to, to do that. As I got older, it became much more of a, okay, let's okay. figure out what's happening on the other side here. But if anybody was being picked on or left out, then my heart immediately was like, I need to, yeah. I need to do something about that. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. So I, I think that's where, and I didn't know it was called empathy. Yeah. For me, it was just caring about other people and yeah. how they were, and how they were feeling and making yeah. sure that they were, oh, that they were okay. Um, like you started kind of stretching your heart in those directions as a teen. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and I think it obviously not necessarily paid off for me, but going from a little boy who was ignored and picked on and beat up a lot as a kid to end up being prom king just goes uh, like, that's amazing. Kindness yeah. goes along and that's, way. That's creative too. I mean, I really think so. Like changing your story in that way, like changing the kind of framework, like, you know, even if people are still bullying you and picking on you, but like you, that same person in that same period of time are like, well, I'm going to make this other person like feel better. Yeah. Um, that's, that's beautiful. Okay. How did you decide like where to go to school? So I went to, um, a choral convention at Idaho State University. Okay. And I loved the conductor, okay. Scott Anderson. And my vocal teacher was like, that's where you should go to school. It's cool. local. You'll be able to afford it. You'll be close to home. Yeah. Um, and Scott is a great, great teacher. Cool. Um, so as a freshman, I got a scholarship. I ended up in the, the top choir there, I was cool. just like, okay, so this is where I'm, Amazing. this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I didn't even apply to anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. that's where I'm going because somebody told me to one school yeah. for the same. Yeah. I yeah. Like, I should go there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> totally. Okay. And then what happened with like, so when you took the year off, like what, tell me more about that. So during that year, uh, I started working in a veterinary hospital. Cool. Uh, which I loved. Um, I was doing more musicals with the Music Theater of Idaho because, again, they were giving me roles that I normally wouldn't get. Like, I played the Russian tenor. Cool. Um, and That's they great. asked me to, I didn't even audition. I was like, I don't know what Music Theater of Idaho is. Yeah. So they brought me in, and then I played one of the uh, Zebulon and, and, Potiphar yeah, in, in Joseph in Joseph yeah, yeah. and uh, Prince Christopher in Cinderella cool like they were giving me these roles that normally yeah. I wouldn't be given but I was a boy who could sing yeah. and move well on stage yeah. <laughs> so I was like oh wait a minute this is more of what I want I don't necessarily mm -hmm. want opera I loved the singing. I loved the passion behind the music. Sure. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a clear storytelling yeah. that I 
that I'm obviously drawn to wow. in, in the musical. So I did that. Um, I, I just did musicals and worked at a veterinary hospital yeah. and it was great and I loved it. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back. So I went back and my, um, my voice teacher at the university was like, please come back to we need you. Music. Yeah. We need you in here. Yeah. And I was like, okay, because again, people pleasing. Yeah. So I went back and I only did one semester. I said, I'll, I'll try it again for a semester and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Um, and I did my junior standing and like got high marks and whatever. But then yeah. I was like, I, I can't do it. I'm done. I'm going to yeah. switch over to theater. So <laughs> I switched yeah. to theater yeah. and that's where they, again, were very kind to me in giving me roles that I would not. And you'd never done like straight acting before. No, I'd only wow. ever done musicals. <gasps> okay. I have a question. I'm not sure exactly how to ask it, but I think like with this kind of this thing you've said a couple times of like getting roles that you wouldn't normally get. I feel like Idaho is like, you know, typically considered to be like a very white, like very straight not a Republican. place, but yeah, but <laughs> like it, we straight, see it lace, this way. Republican. Yeah. Yeah. White. So it's, I don't know. I just think it's interesting that like you're getting these opportunities in a place that you would think like, do you, is, what do you think about it? Like, does this experience like make you have like a specific insight into like how representation works or like, I just feel like that's interesting. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts about it. <laughs> Um, there, I mean, <laughs> with what I was, do I was literally typically one of maybe one or two people of color on stage yeah. in every show Okay, with, you know, didn't matter the cast size, typically with musicals, you know, it's a cast of yeah. 20 to 60 or whatever. Yeah. But I was like the one Yeah. or occasionally there was a two. Yeah. Um, and I realized that I was like, okay, so I'm the brown one here. Yeah. Again. We're yeah. just not here. We're not here. Yeah. And it's because we don't know we're allowed to be. Because we've never seen ourselves up there. Mm -hmm. So it just became this even more pressing matter to me that yeah. I was like, all right, well now I no, I really have to fucking do this because wow. we deserve to be up here. Yeah. We deserve to be seen. I never saw myself up on stage yeah, growing up. Right. I mean, I, granted, I never went to shows, but as soon as I was like interested, then it became yeah. like, oh, I want to go see that. I want to go see right. that. And we just weren't there. So it now became a journey of, all right, well, I guess this is where I'm at. I, I have to do this, not just for me yeah. and to prove other people, but so that other people can see us on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And when I started touring with the Idaho Shakespeare Festival and Idaho Theater for Youth, seeing the faces of little brown kids yeah seeing somebody else that looks like them on stage in front of everybody yeah. doing that was just like i don't know it, it, I, I i can't even describe it because they would literally just be like wow yeah what we can That's do so that interesting we can what? I don't have yeah. to like do this or that or only be allowed to do this. It's like, yeah. no, if you want to do this, do this. That's so interesting. It's such like an interesting little like American vignette of like you're talented and they need men, you know? Yeah. And then it's like you're in these roles, but then it like turns turns into like a totally different thing for you. Like it wasn't about representation for them, 
obviously. Oh, yeah, no. Like, they, they were casting you in, like, white roles. Yeah. Right? They were just, like, they didn't care that I was... Right. And they weren't... They, they weren't... They were colorblind casting. They weren't being color conscious. Right, right, They right. were just, like... We just need you a can body sing. there. You, you yeah. can sing. You can move. You're good. Here. Do you think that, like, those... The other people that you worked with in those spaces, like, thought differently about like race and sexuality like after having worked with you or do you think they were just kind of like oblivious and it was changing you honestly i I don't think that they too bad which is so weird too bad yeah i mean it is but they weren't like that's why i was asking about it because it feels like it's such it's it's a very specific story for you and it's a totally different story for them which is oh absolutely disappointing and odd because and in in one way it's like they didn't care that I was a brown person taking on the roles. They didn't, but and they also didn't understand the weight, yeah, of a brown person taking on right. the roles. You're dealing with that completely alone. Yeah, yeah, and and not that I was in that mindset of no, oh, this is no, totally. It, but but it just is interesting though. Just, I yeah. think no, I mean, it, it, and it is, and we're still there. Like yeah. <laughs> we're slowly moving in the right direction, but it's still representation is not where it needs to be. Totally. I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, I would say it goes without saying, but it doesn't go without saying, but especially here in Utah, I just think there's something really interesting there. Like, you know, like certainly like Lin-Manuel Miranda, like in New York city is like thinking about representation, but in like, a completely different way mm-hmm. than you're having to think about it. Like Lin-Manuel Miranda's like, there's all these brown people and we're not being represented. And you're like, it's just me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like there's, I don't know. I feel like it's like just a different, a different side of like a related story that it seems to me that you would have like a very unique perspective on. I think I just I mean, want to give you permission to like say anything about that. But <laughs> like, what? like I feel like you must like, understand things about these problems because of that really unique situation. I mean, I've just been more aware of it, I think, Mm. than most people, because most people, uh, they think that if you put a brown person into a role because they're brown, then it's the same thing as not giving it to the white person because they are white and they think that that is bad. Mm. And it's like, no, it's not bad because you've had the stage. Right. Yeah. You've always had the stage. Yeah. And sometimes it didn't matter if you were talented, you just looked right. Right. People just didn't want to believe they'll believe that you can break out in a song up on a stage. But if you're a Brown person doing that, then it, then it's not believable. I mean, people are still freaking out that there were black people in Lord of the Rings on Amazon. Yeah. Like they can't get past that fact and having to like (laughs) prove to people that no, as long as the story isn't about race, right. Right. Anybody can play these parts. That seems intuitive to me, but like I've thought about this a few times, but I'm thinking about it more now. When I was like maybe 16 or 17, I went to go see, um, Les Mis in like the, you know, the, the touring theater yeah, yeah, yeah. and Fontaine was played by a black woman. And I, I just thought like, 
of course, this is all pretend. <laughs> like, yeah, we're not in the French Revolution. None of these people are French. So, like, why can't Fontaine? Like, but I now I'm wondering, like, if that was intuitive to me. Like, it probably just it was probably the opposite. It was like I saw that production of Les Mis and then just thought, oh, these are the rules. Anybody can play anybody, unless the story is like specifically about race. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's I don't know. I'm <laughs> just thinking like that is really complicated for people in a way that is confusing well it's just i mean people who have this um they will not i mean most people will say that they're not racist yeah but they are of course in in a way that they don't think is racist yeah 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 if you don't believe that a person of color can play these roles because in your mind that's not believable you're racist yeah 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 like fix it Realize that it doesn't change the storyline. It doesn't change that it, this story is about love or about vengeance yeah. or about whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you're doing ragtime, hairspray, obviously. Sure. That is about black and white. Right. Don't change that. Right. Yeah. Even though they have here Yeah. In Utah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And Aida. It's just like, stop. I was was just going to say, and Aida. Um, Although Aida is funny because people... Nobody in that show should be white. Exactly. Like I've, I've just, I've had this conversation with someone recently. Like it's weird how weird we get about Aida because like the Egyptians shouldn't be white either. They certainly should not It's a story about race, but like we have it wrong anyway. Like it's very strange. It's still wrong. It's very weird. The Egyptians weren't white. Yeah. Yes, the Nubians are black, but like, the Egyptians were not white. Like has there ever been a production of Aida that like is accurate in that way? Like, Nope. Because That's again, all the proof you need. Aida is like a perfect case study because <laughs> it's like it's kind of like about like tribalism and like, I mean, I don't know that it's explicitly about race in the sense that none of the lyrics or the story like say words that are like, but it's clear. It's clearly about it is yeah, right. It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's literally the Egyptians came to Nubia. They took like Slaves the, the gods Nubia. love Nubia yeah. like there's specifics, but people yeah. are like, well, it was yeah. already on Broadway as white and black. So we have to keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you, you, you don't promise. Weird, weird, weird. Oh, it is important. Um, I want to talk to you about your life though, <laughs> in addition. So, okay. So what, what happened next? Like, what was the next chapter? How did you get into so like, I graduated from ICU with um, a theater degree. I immediately started going out, and auditioning all over the country for place for things. How old were you? Um, let's see. I think I graduated when I when I was twenty five. And how old are you now? Twenty six. I love to ask. Older than twenty five. Twenty six. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um. So I just decided. All right, I have my degree. I am just going to go out. I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I immediately started touring with the Idaho Shakespeare Festival. Cool. Uh, Idaho Theater for Youth, and then I started touring with the National Theater for Children. Um, I got a gig in Alaska working for Princess Cruises, cool. went to Disney World, worked there for a little while, uh, went to New York, worked at the Public Theater um, on a workshop of wow. David Burns. Awesome. Um, musical about Imelda Marcos. What was it like being in New York for like a period of time? I loved and hated it. Yeah. New York is a very hard place to be if you are as <laughs> um, empathetic as I am. I couldn't handle how much anger, resentment, yeah. um, 
sadness that there was everywhere. Um, the homeless population would just, I, I just hated seeing so many people suffering. Yeah. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I tried to find work that would take me out. So then I toured with Theater Works okay. USA. Um, and all this time touring, how did that time like change or inform like who you are today as like an actor? You're, you write, oh. do you write now? Um, I, <laughs> I write, um, I've written, let's see, several th- children's, cool. th- um, shows. Uh, one's going to be produced next, awesome. next fall and go on tour around Utah. Um, one's in the Kennedy center library. Like it, I write because p- people have asked me to write, but yeah. it's not something it's not that I like deep down. Yeah. It's yeah. not something okay. deep down that I like to do. Yeah. So how did that touring time like affect you as like an artist? So it makes you grow a lot. If you, if you, if you let it, a lot of people will be like, cause it, it's kids shows. So people think, Oh, it's just a kid show, but kids are the hardest fucking critics. They will let you know yeah. if you are sucking or if you are Kiddo, great or if you are hilarious. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> so most people would create a show and have one character and that would be it. Okay. For me, I would have so many different variations of that one character because I wanted to make sure that the kids were listening. Interesting. I wanted to make sure. So if I went to one particular school and it was <gasps> all like white kids, yeah. it's this character. Right. If it was mostly black kids, it was this character. Yeah. If it was an intermix of of all types of cultures, wow. it was pulling from both That's sides. That's so creative. And it was just because I was like, I want... I want you to hear this. You need it to like be compelling. the important thing, you perform for the audience. Yeah. You're not performing for yourself. Right. Perform for them. Do it for them. Make sure they're going to care about what you're saying by creating a character that is relatable to them. Yeah. Don't just That's create improvising. this one thing. It's so interesting. What, okay, you mentioned improv games. Where did you learn? Did you learn that kind of stuff in in college? Um, a little bit. I I didn't ever actually do. I was never um, in college and part of a troupe. I didn't join it to join a troupe until I was in New York City. Okay. Um, yeah. How did but you we would play you were... improv games yeah. because it was just part of the yeah. experience of of theater. Yeah. And just like, you know, letting go of things and and thinking about actual scenarios that would be happening. Yeah. Um, and obviously trying to find the humor in them. Right. But yeah, no, I just. Improv to me is, and I, I went on tour with a guy who would literally say yes and to everything. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, you don't have to say the yeah. yes and. I know you were trained. You probably yeah. went to an improv camp and you think you're supposed oh to say gosh. yes and. But yeah. you're just saying yes did to he, the scenario. Did he make it work? And what? No. <laughs> no. He, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, he made it work in that he, we he continued with some yeah. of the, like, but I was just, it would just drive me insane because I was like, it's not about the words, yeah. yes, and. It's like, you it's just accepting just do it. the circumstance yeah. and, and add adding, yeah. like, it's just, yeah. So improv was never like something that I was really into because it's both terrifying and exhilarating all at the same time. So but, doing these like character shifts in, in, in this tour, um, depending on, you know, what the kids were like, you hadn't, that didn't feel like improv to you or like you hadn't been trained to do that. That was just like, no, that was, that like was your just, heart. Yeah. I was just like, I That's need to amazing. make sure that these kids are listening. I, I want to make it. sure that they're getting what the message behind this is. Yeah. 
Cool. Or whatever. So that's just what I would do. And then when did you like settle back here in Utah? Like what happened? In, um, what are we missing in there? So after that's why New- I'm wondering <laughs> how old you are. Cause then I'm like, how many, like, so after New York, have to tell me. I got uh, my cruise line jobs. Okay. And that's when I started touring around the world. Singing? Yes. Kay. Singing as the, one of the lead singers in all the production shows. Awesome. On, um, Holland America line. Uh, and on one of my, one of my contracts was coming to an end. And so I turned on my dating profile and that's where I met my now husband. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you're in Utah. Um, that's great. He's like, it's too bad you're in Boise because that's where I had my profile yeah. set. And I was like, well, actually I'm in Guatemala. Yeah. Um, so for, <laughs> you know, a month and a half, we just talked every wow. single day and chatted and asked the questions and all that stuff. And so once we realized, once I realized, okay, this person is, legit yeah. falling in love with this person. I yeah. haven't met them. I have to make sure that the chemistry is right, but I think I'm falling in love with this person. He's in Utah. I'm going to go there, test it out. Yeah. So I came, surprised him, realized, okay, yeah, no, this is, this is absolutely going to work. Yeah. So from then on, it just was like, I'm moving to Utah after my next contract. I'm, and then we're, I'm here for the same reason. I was in Texas. I, Andrew and I dated long distance for two years. I just was like, well, I guess I'll go to Utah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and for me, it was great because I was looking for a place where I could get work because when I was yeah. in Disney World, I started doing commercials and stuff. And then yeah. I did some more of that background work in like New York. And I was like, I really think I want to get into film. And I did like yeah. NYU projects and all that cool. stuff. So when I looked into Utah, I was like, oh, they film a lot here. And so I was cool. like, I can still work. Yeah. There, are, there are equity theaters here because I, I, I'm equity and I perform at Pioneer. And yeah. Salt Lake Acting Company. So I was like, there's, there's work here yeah. for me. Yeah. And my family is only five hours away. Yeah. So I'll still be close to family. You're close and, with your family. Yeah. That's great. So it was just like, this is, this is the best place for me in all yeah. scenarios. Yeah. I guess. That's amazing. So that's why. I'm here. How long have you been here? Almost 10 years, nine years. Cool. I've been here 10 years. Wow. Okay. I, no, I don't want to keep you from your family because you are busy. <laughs> You're a busy man and you've been doing so many things lately. So let's do this. Um, this The things that I'm most interested in in this podcast, in this conversation, is talking about like the arts at large. Like what do they mean? What is their function in humanity? Creativity, same questions. And then also what are the things that the guest, that you, Tito, like – know about your medium or know about like humanity that is unique to you because of like your particular experience. So I know that's like, that's a lot. (laughs) It's huge. (laughs) But like, are there things that you feel like you want to share or like discuss like about the arts, about creativity, about people, like based on kind of like the unique experiences that you have had? Um, I guess the only thing that I would say is what I've already said is that we have this, we have this idea that, and it's still being done today, that once a production, once, and this is speaking in terms of, of theater or, or, uh, film or whatever that we see, that there is an idea of what this character should look like. And if anybody tries to change that, then people get upset about it. For me, the most important thing, and in in, in this area, I have been a huge advocate for representation on stage, and everybody knows that. I don't go to shows unless the cast is at least 25% of color, Yeah. because we are out there. I am a member of a group here in Utah called Utah Actors of Color. 
Cool. We are 200 plus. Wow. Yeah. There, we are here. Yeah. If you say that we're not showing up, that's on you. We're not showing up because your company has not showed us that you are safe. Yeah. We don't feel comfortable auditioning for you because we know it doesn't matter. Your mm. Hail Theater, for example. Sure. You can say uh, it. They will not, uh, unless it's somebody from the church yeah. and unless they're trying to prove a point, they won't cast totally. a person of color as one of their leads or whatever and a lot of theaters do this still across the country yeah get past the mindset that it has to be a white person yeah again if the story isn't about race it doesn't matter whoever tells the story best should be in the role yeah that is it period the end period the end yeah um and my unique experience (laughs) has just taught me that that it's possible because I've been given those opportunities. Yeah, of course. And nobody has ever said, well, I didn't believe you. That makes perfect sense. They yeah. they loved having a different person on stage. They loved seeing somebody who they wouldn't normally see. They liked that it wasn't the same production that and they've already seen. it's also almost like you can really see the acting better. Like, you can really... like. The the way the person looks isn't telling so much of the story for you that yeah. like you aren't paying attention to like yeah. the story they're telling. Exactly. Because yeah. you're not watching the same thing over again. So this something is something that new. I loved seeing you in Sleeping Giant, getting to see all you and all and the whole cast playing so many different characters. Yeah. Um like I don't know, it just like it it was I've seen productions like this before, but not in a long time and maybe not so few people in the cast playing so many characters. Yeah. Maybe it's more like one person plays two characters and a lot of the characters stay the same character. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. it was just a really, it was a, it was a really beautiful experience. Like, um, or just interesting, just feeling like, um, and the scenes were short too. So like oh, yeah. feeling like in a period of a pretty short amount of time, I'm going to like figure out who this character is totally believe it and then it's over you know and then like we're gonna do that again and i'd love to hear your thoughts on like what that was like or like if you you know i don't know do you want to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) no i'm gonna pass uh no i know what you're saying i mean and that's just another thing most people would be like no all of these act all these characters need to be different people Mm. otherwise people won't know what's happening they won't get it they won't believe it they won't get it yeah whereas everybody that came and paid attention because it was still a kind of a, a difficult, for some people, a difficult storyline to follow, particularly Ugh. for older people, mm. because they were like, wait a minute, I thought she was that girl. I thought he was that person. Wow. So it was just like, are you listening or yeah. are you just looking at us? If right. you're not listening, then yeah, you might get lost in yeah. the storyline. But we're giving you different characters. A different costume, a different voice, exactly. a different for, set even. For, for every single character. Yeah. But you're so focused on the person's look mm. that you can't realize that they're a different character. Yeah. It's possible. And if you listen, then you can get it and you'll follow along easily. Was that like part of the show? Like, was that something that the writer, Steve, Steve Yaki, Yaki, <laughs> something was like thinking about, like, was that, was that supposed to be challenging for the audience or was it just like, no. Okay. Because, I, that's what I would assume. Because but. each one of the characters had a specific, um, like my character was called the messenger because mm. in each scene I was bringing news. I was bringing information yeah. as a different character yeah. to an overarching storyline. 
also you're the only character you're the only person in the cast that got to play someone like not human yes did that feel interesting that was i loved uh, (laughs) seeing you as the butterfly king i loved it it was scary and terrifying a little bit because when you're creating a character that isn't based off of anything, it's yeah, like, yeah. what, what are my boundaries? What, what, mm. what am I doing? What is he supposed to be like? I have nothing yeah. to draw from, from this. So it was exhilarating in that I could make this character, whatever, yeah. as long as he is believable, yeah. but also likable, but also terrifying. You like, nailed it. Like I you. could <laughs> not decide. I mean, I think that's part of why, like, cause, and also like Olivia was in that scene with you and she's like one of my best friends. And so I can't help, but like, like I can't help, but be like Olivia, like a little <laughs> bit, you know, like, yeah, like I'm yeah. like, I'm watching her as the character, but I'm also like wondering what she's feeling as Olivia, yeah. like yeah, a little like, bit. That's Olivia. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I don't know. I can't help it, but like toggle between the two a little bit. Yeah. And like, I don't know what I'm trying to say other than like, I just was like focused on her a lot in the scene because I love her (laughs) and, (laughs) and then just feeling like, oh good. Like this is a, this is a friendly environment for Olivia. (laughs) And then like, you know, but for this character, I forget she, was she Mabel in that scene? She was Mabel. Um, and then like just being like, oh wait, maybe this is really dangerous. And like, you just had me like turning on a dime, like every couple sentences, like (laughs) this is really scary. Oh, this is whimsical and fun. Wait, (laughs) you just nailed it. It was like, it was incredible to watch. Okay. I think I maybe have like one more question. Um, so you've been here 10 years and I'm like, I've only been going to see shows at the Selick Act- Acting Company for a little while because I just like didn't know about it. Yeah. Like I lived here for, I mean, I've been here 10 years and like I didn't really know about it until I met Olivia. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, but I've been, I've seen, you know, maybe five shows there in the last year and a half or so, which with the pandemic yeah, is, you know, something, I guess. Anyway, my point is, it feels to me just seeing you there that like, you are a person who has like, um, some pull or like some like, like people respect you. That's what it seems like to me. And I I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm wondering, like, what it feels like to have entered a place and been here, you know, about a decade, and feel like you have like, a voice in that way? Like, what is it? I mean, or am I wrong? I mean, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, it feels amazing to have that voice because a lot of people of color don't have that voice, but with Salt Lake Acting Company, they're asking for that. They are actually wanting to hear from our side. Yeah. A lot of theater companies are saying, we want equal representation. We want blah, 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 blah. When all of the people who are in the positions of power are white. Whereas Salt Lake Acting Company, yes, Cynthia, who is the artistic director there, she is white, but she is hiring people who yeah. are like not white yeah. to help her mold this theater into a very accepting and welcoming place. Yeah. Well, even beyond that, like, and maybe it's just the timing because I'm seeing you in these shows, like a back-to-back shows at Slack, um, the cabaret, and yeah. then and then I'm also <laughs> seeing your face on billboards, like all down the like <laughs> I-15 corridor, and that it just it feels to me like oh Tito's everywhere. But like, I think I'm wondering like what that is like from your perspective. Like, does it feel like oh I'm like I'm established, I'm like a part of this community, people are used to seeing me, or is it just timing? I, is it just like I, a weird timing? Um. A little bit of both, actually. I do feel like I have, because of my my work here and because I've 
I've um, been here for a decade nearly, um, and because I've worked my ass off, people now know and respect me for my work. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I think it's it's good to have that that um, that level of like people knowing who you are. Mm. But in the same token, it's like people like me haven't had that, right. haven't had that position yeah. before. Yeah. And that's a shame totally. <laughs> because we've always been here. Of we've course. always been able to. So it's not like, like I'm like reveling in this. Yeah. Thank you for finally of letting course. me be here because I should have always been allowed to take yeah. up the space that that I've earned, I guess. Do you feel like the needle is moving? Yes. Okay, good. Slowly, but the needle is moving. Cool. Not everywhere, yeah. but it's it's definitely going in the right direction, Do and you I'm grateful for that. want to say anything about what it's like to be an actor in a place like Utah? And I think I specifically mean the fact that it's small, but also it's wide and Mormon. But yeah. No, um, actually, when I first moved here and um, I got with my agency... Um, they, I met with all the agencies here and they, and they all wanted me because I am a brown person in Utah. Okay, yeah. As a brown person in Utah, there's not a lot of, there weren't. Now there's yeah. a little bit more and that's Good. great. Yeah. But when it, when it came time to like, okay, well this, this, this company outside of Utah wants a person of color to be, you know, their spokesperson or, yeah. or whatever. I tended to be the go-to one. Okay. So it was just like this is great for me because I'm getting work yeah, and I'm building up a rapport with all of the yeah. production companies and the directors or yeah. whatever. And they're trusting me to do the job right, which is great. And exactly yeah. what I've always yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wanted. wanted. Yeah. Now I just need it to go outside of Utah. Yeah. Um, and that's just my next. That's what's next step. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I think I'm, I was wondering more like, you know, from the general public's perspective when you're like, oh, I'm an actor. And then people are like, but you're in Utah. And they're like confused. Like, but I think what I'm saying more is like, it's everywhere. <laughs> like <Yeah>. there's just, <laughs> there's art everywhere and it's, you can build a career most places. You really can. Yeah. I mean, as long as there is a, it depends on what you want to do with it. Sure. If you want to make a career out of it, well then obviously you can't be in, in, in a place that isn't offering you. Right paid work or, right. you know, money for your work. If you can't do it there, then you're going to have to move somewhere that can. Yeah. If you're doing it because you need a creative outlet, you can do that. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. You can create your own theater. You well, can. I, I do just think like, the arts are bigger than people think. Like, and I, I do feel like that's part of the story. Like capitalism teaches us to like ignore the art that's like all around us sometimes I yep. think. And you know, there are, there are plenty of like paid I mean, maybe plenty is a strong word, but like <laughs> there is paid work for artists in like, you know, all sorts of cities. And it's like, you just have to look for it and, and pay attention to it. Exactly. You have to put in the work to try and, and find yeah. it if it's what you have to do. Yeah. Like I have to do this. A lot of people do it because they're good at it, but they don't necessarily want to do it and they don't have the drive yeah. to do it. I have, yeah. I have to do it. Well, even again, just like from the general public's perspective, like this is not like a Utah based podcast, but I do like to interview people in person. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, like I mostly interview people who are in Utah and 
you know, people will say th- things to me sometimes like, I didn't know that there were this many like artists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's more, it's just like, it, we're, you know, yeah. I what, what's it like to take, to be a person who's taking your career seriously in Utah. Um, and I think you've already told us, <laughs> is there anything else you feel like you want to say, or like that feels important to the conversation or do you want to say anything about like being a creative parent? Um, like to try to ask parents about that. I mean, just honestly, just let your, let your kid be creative. Let them show don't, you like what they're into. Don't force them yeah. to be creative in terms of do this, do this, do this. Let them find their, let them find their creativity yeah. on their own. I mean, obviously you can give them options of what they can do. Here's a musical yeah. instrument. Here's like, we give have a piano supplies. at the house. Yeah. He, um, my, my son Oliver has, um, on, on a art station. He yeah. has building thing. Like just let have the materials and then just be like, go, go I'm not going to tell you which ones yeah. to do. I love that. Let them figure it it's out. so easy. Let them be <laughs> yeah. bored. And yes, it's going to be annoying when they're like, I'm bored. I'm <laughs> bored. I don't know what to do. Yeah. That's not my problem. Yeah. You have so many things you could do. All you want is a screen and you're not going to get it. So you got to figure yeah. it out or you're just going to continue to be bored. I love it. And that's just, that's how it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so simple. Like just have stuff available and then create stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally it. That's and he awesome. does. Yeah. He makes great, hilarious drawings and will come up so proud after he's done yeah. it. And I'm like, yes, see, look. Now this feeling, that fun? yeah, remember <laughs> this feeling. And your other son is like too little to Yeah, he's really, one and a half. So his creativity is just, you know. Wait, what do I put in my mouth What today? do I put in my mouth? Yeah. <laughs> yep. He loves to just push cars, stuff like that. Cute. Just baby. Well, I love it. I like... And this like maybe sounds trite, but I like fucking mean it. Like I, it, it is like, it is, it is such a wonder to me to see like people parenting, like nice people, nice creative <laughs> people having kids. Like, I love it. It's like, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Like just, oh, well, I hope you see more of that. I get, ex- <laughs> I get really excited about like nice people being parents. Um, anything else, anything else you feel like you want to say? No, just thanks for uh, letting me talk a lot. Oh, I would love to talk to you more. <laughs> I like, I don't want to take you from your, your babies. Um, I always ask everybody two questions at the end, just like the wrapper upper questions. Okay. Um, one is on this day, what's your dream collaboration? You can build a whole team. You can pick just one person. What would you, who would you love to collaborate with? And what would you do? Oh, I mean, honestly, I would love to collaborate probably with... Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Because I love the way he directs. I love the way he thinks. I love the darkness that he can create in just like any scenario, but also find the brightness and the colors. And I would want to create a film with him. That sounds amazing. I would be, it would be great to see you in more films, like to see you in more film stuff. I think so too. Yeah. We hadn't even really <laughs> talked about that, but like I, it's cause I didn't, before I met you today, I didn't know if that was something you wanted to do. Oh I mean, yeah. Commercials That's... maybe, but commercials are maybe different than like. Yeah. I've actually stopped doing as many commercials because I just, I really want to focus on trying to get into more film, but that's yeah. a little bit harder. I would love to see you in films. Like well, if you watch be... Hallmark, you'll see me on there. 
oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> Plenty of Hallmark and Lifetime films. I <laughs> love it. That's great. <laughs> I mean, you know, people watch them. They absolutely do. <laughs> that's yes. an audience and that's a medium. Yep. And then finally, tell people where to find your work besides Hallmark and Lifetime. <laughs> um, I don't have anywhere. I, I, I should have a website. I just don't. I mean, you can't really find my my work anywhere unless you watch that stuff. And as an equity actor, you're not allowed to have footage of any of your shows or anything like that. Really? So, yeah, no. Oh, equity man. is not allowed to record. You're not allowed to record um, oh. your shows. Oh. So if you're going to do something, it has to be just you and a piano on a stage mm. doing something. Or I mean, wow. I guess you can. I guess you can make it look like it's a show, but it can't actually be from wow. a production. Oh, that's crazy. Um, Instagram, maybe. Oh yeah, you can find me on Instagram yeah. if you want <laughs> yeah. to. Dude. What is my leave us Tito L I V A S T I T O? I am and, the only one. <laughs> yeah, and you and you go by Tito Leave Us. Yeah. Like, okay, because I know in your email there's a hyphenated name, right? Yeah. My husband's last name is Smith, so we are Smith Leave Us's. Cool. I love it. Well, Tito, it's great to finally meet you. I've been like admiring from afar. And also like Olivia just speaks like so highly of you. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Oh, that she's, makes me happy because I love her. She's my favorite. She's like <laughs> such a wonder of a person. I'm like, uh, we like, there are cool people here. Oh, like, there are absolutely there's like a, cool people here. There's like here. a gorgeous community of people here. There really is. And I just, this is my way of inserting myself into it. come on my podcast well it was great to meet you and chat with you and i look forward to all the things that you do in the coming years thank you it was a joy thanks Thanks for having me you're welcome thanks for listening to artifice our theme song is as you are from my album masks with artwork and merch designs by sarah keel if you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.